The Truth News Network. Where do you begin? Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. DNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. In the midst of all of that, we have uh, out-of-control inflation. We have prices that are just destroying homes and families, putting people on the streets. We have food shortages, and that seems to be only potentially ramping up in the in the wake of this uh, rail strike that is almost certain now that would put about 60% of our goods on the shelf somewhere but not in our stores. Uh, that's just a few of the things that you and I are having to deal with here in uh, the late part of 2022. Who would have thought this was going to be the case two years ago? We never thought about inflation. We never thought about high prices for anything because typically in the marketplace, in the capitalistic system, price is determined by supply and demand. And we didn't have to worry about stuff because we always had plenty of everything. And so that kept prices low. And when big competition happened between especially the big box stores, oh my gosh, we were getting stuff for like half price. There's so many things in my life I can point back to. I spent a summer or part of a summer in Victoria, Texas. Now this is in 1965 or 6. I remember going by a gas station with another gas station across the street. And that's what we used to call them, gas stations. And they got in a war. And I saw on the sign out front, I wish I would have had a camera, 13 cent a gallon gasoline. Granted, that was a long time ago. But I don't see any gas wars nowadays. Why is that? Because gas producers are paying the horrendous prices that each other are paying to get product to put in the pumps for you and me. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're going to get through all this. We're going to make it. And let me just say this. If you're a Christian, you know that you don't have to worry about anything. And uh, you can get some relief and help through prayer. If you're not a Christian, I urge you to check into it and see what the good comes out of it. And one of those things is some peace that you can't get when you're not a Christian, and you certainly can't get peace in the middle of all this mess. Always looking for a positive way to impact our lives, doing good things. What's better than that anyway? Doing something for other people? What's better than that anyway? I hope your week is going good. I hope your weekend is well planned and you're going to get some rest. You're going to be with people you love we're in the middle of football season. Everybody has high school football games tonight. We've got the college football games all day tomorrow, even some of those being played tonight, and then the NFL on Sunday. Now, that's just football. I know I'm a football fan, and there are a whole lot more sports than football. I get it. I understand that. 
but it seems like football is just kind of stuck in this little three-month period, so we have to really pay close attention because before we know it, it's going to be over. Let me give you a little information about something that is coming up the week after the Super Bowl. Now, the Super Bowl will be played, not sure of the exact date, but it's in the month of February. The next week, Amazon Prime is going to begin a series, and it's about a football team. It's called God, Family, and Football. You may want to write that down. God, Family, and Football. This is a series based on what has been happening for years right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I live. And it has to do with Evangel Christian Academy. Evangel Christian Academy, for those of you that don't know it, it's an amazing private school that was started in 1980 by my adopted mom. She adopted me. And her husband, former pastor Rodney Durant, who passed away about a decade ago. Gosh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. And they decided we needed a private school. Their son had gone through high school football, then played college football at Louisiana Tech University. Denny Duran was a quarterback at Louisiana Tech when they won two national championships back-to-back years, and in those two seasons, lost one football game. There are, well, let's figure it out. Let me give you some names of some players off those teams. Fred Dean. Fred Dean, defensive tackle, played a long time for San Diego, then San Francisco. He's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike Barber, all-pro tight end with the Houston Oilers. Billy Rickman, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Pat Tilly, all-pro, wide receiver. Roger Carr, all-pro, wide receiver. Larry Anderson, defensive back, played at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm leaving some, uh, uh, several others out. It was an amazing two years. I was in the middle of that. I was a year behind Denny Duran going to school. And so I got there my sophomore year, and the good stuff didn't start happening until the next year, the next two years. It was incredible. It was an amazing thing. I will say this. God had a big part in it because Denny Duran is a minister. He went there as a minister, and he committed that wherever he went to college, he was going to make sure that there was a group on campus that was meeting together, like-minded Christians. And that happened, and there was a huge Christian move on the campus in those two years. This past weekend, that team had a 50th anniversary at a home game played in Ruston. And I've got pictures that came out of it, the men that got together that were a product of those two particular seasons. It's an incredible story. Now, I'm telling you that. That has nothing to do with this God, family, and football series that's coming out on Amazon Prime. But I wanted to tell you, it really is, because all of the football stuff in this area, in this regard. And oh, by the way, he started a football program at a Christian college in Springfield, Missouri that is Evangel Christian University, Evangel University. 
and Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport was named after that. He didn't play up there, but he coached up there and um, didn't have a wonderful career in football because being a Christian college, you didn't attract some of the Class A, Type A players coming out of high school around the nation. But from those teams that he coached there, there are ministers, business tycoons, missionaries around the world, regular ordinary people, but a lot of good people. Learned a lot. Another another side of uh, living life other than the traditional one where you just run after money. You, If you're a man, you run after women. You get married, but it doesn't matter. You keep running after women. You know what I'm talking about. Christian University. Anyway, I told you all that to tell you this. He is the founder of the football program at Evangel Christian Academy. And this football team, it's not a football team first. It's a bunch of young men that are learning about being good husbands, being good fathers, and taking care of their responsibilities in a godly fashion, in a godly way. I've never seen a football, I played football in high school, and I own two arena football league uh, football teams. I've been around football my whole life. I love football. I'm still involved. I do the PA, public address at Evangel's home uh, uh, football games. I just love it. I've got two grandsons that are playing football at Evangel Christian Academy. Two that have already graduated at Evangel Christian Academy. So as you can see, I'm plugged in. But what this series does, it started, it's it, it's looking back at last season. And I'm not going to give you all the details, but just tell you, there's a transition. And so from last season, the kids that were there, no matter what grade classification we're in this year, they're in a classification higher. They have much more knowledge of the game of football, of how to to make this team better than they were the previous year. And it's following all of that. It's following some of the players. It's following the way the program works. It's going to be a really good family series that you need to, you need to watch. Now, let me tell you what I'll do. I will keep telling you about it and giving you the series dates and informations as they get released. But they're in the middle of, of filming it now at every home game, every away game. And it's really kind of cool to be down on the field when I'm away. You know, I'm not in the press box when we go on the road, but I get to interact with the team on the field and interact with these production people. I mean, they're really pros. This is a really professional series that they're doing. So it's going to be kind of cool. But the number one thing you need to know is when we look at our political environment, that that we talk about every day here at TNN Live, and we write about almost daily at truthnewsnet.org, that whole thing is not all that's going on in the world around us. And it's certainly not the only good that is happening in the world around us. When we have schools, and there are many, 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 many private Christian schools, uh, the state of Louisiana, I don't know how many it has, but I would say it's in the dozens, probably, I would guess maybe even close to 75 or 80 Christian schools 
in Louisiana around the state. Parents understand that when they look at the political world and they look every day, and we've got some that we're going to tell you about, some news about this very thing, what's happening in our schools when the teachers are waking up one day and deciding they're going to be woke, that they are going to sign into and support and push out all of the woke ideological ideas about everything. And they're going to try to do it in secret so that the parents of these kids don't know what's going on. In that environment, there is there is hope. There is a, a way to get out of that. And I'm not just saying Christian private schools. That's not the only way. What I am saying, that is an option. And it becomes a better option when state legislatures around the nation are contemplating, and several already have, of taking the per-student tax dollars that come into the state that they're spending on public education to give vouchers to the parents of kids in those various cities and taxpayer districts, giving them vouchers that they have the option of taking to the school that they feel is best suited for their children. Now, of course, the education bureaucracy is going stark raising crazy because it really is a living entity unto itself. And it's it's already bigger than we ever knew that it was, certainly bigger than we ever thought it would be. And with that comes control. With that comes political ideologies. And today's public education political ideology is not anything most Americans want their kids being exposed to. They, they get into transgenderism. Uh, there are school books now, and that's one thing we're going to talk about in a minute. They talk about, they say, and they show everything. We have actual full sexual acts being discussed in detail to kids that are in the third and fourth grade. Now, I got to be honest with you, when I was growing up, we never got to a level where that was okay to discuss, or we never saw it in school books. That was what we learned at home. And of course, the so-called experts would say now, well, a lot of these kids don't have a real good home life. So what we've got to do is do those kind of things for the parents, and we want to make sure that those kids are getting taught the right stuff. I'm not kidding. They really believe that, and they're acting it out. I'll just give you one example of it right now. The Pentagon, the Pentagon is the operational structure for all of the U.S. military, all branches rolled into one. Listen to what's going on there. Pentagon school libraries. In the school libraries, the schools that you and I fund with our tax dollars, those schools contain dozens of books with jarring pornographic content, such as detailed instructions on how to have sex or radical gender ideology from elementary to high school all the way. 
looking at and analyzing 50 schools selected at random at the Department of Defense Education Activity, which services 66,000 military-connected kids in America, also some in Europe and the Pacific. Some of these libraries boasted specific sections for banned books, including explicit titles such as This Book is Gay, which discusses orgies, and sex apps where they can go get more information. Many of the pornographic and radical gender ideology books were added within the last two years. Well, that shouldn't surprise any of us because guess what? Joe Biden has been president. Lloyd Austin has been the Secretary of Defense. And this has all happened in the last two years. This finding was determined by taking into account dates books were originally published. Books in these high schools were found to contain sex imagery, detailed instructions on masturbation, how to record sex, sending nude pictures, how to have anal sex, and other topics. All Boys Aren't Blue. That book was published in April of 2020. It's a nonfiction manifesto written by a journalist who's named George Johnson. And the book, of course, is geared for teenagers. It was most recently challenged in Dearborn for having sexually explicit content. The book describes oral sex, ejaculation, anal sex, pornography, and masturbation. As an avid porn watcher, the only thing I knew about anal sex previously was that it was painful or at least played up so cameras could show it. Now that's one line out of the book. I was in pain for nearly three weeks following that encounter, too afraid to go to the doctor for help because I would have had to tell him I'd been having anal sex. Here's another one. The Uncensored Guide by Nicole Hassler, has an entire chapter dedicated to, quote, kinks, sexual fantasies, and fetishes. The communicating about sex section says, mouths are also for talking. The anatomy part of the book shows explicit images of male and female genitals and discusses breast reductions and augmentations. Some names for breast according to the book, are airbags, tits, bee bites, balcony, charlies, boo-boos, bojangles, track of land, chesticles, headlights, knockers, boobies, fun bags, and dairy pillows. And I'm not even going to get into all the names for male genitalia. The book went on to describe sexually explicit names for scrotums, erections, and vaginas. This book was published in December of 2020, and that's when it first came out, and our DOD grabbed it and stuck it in all these schools. This particular one that we were just telling you about, it seeks to create a sexually liberated utopia, teaches children how limitless sex, so long as consent is involved, should be celebrated. Quote, it's a world that values play, playfulness, and fun in relation to sex 
and sexual intimacy, a world that celebrates pleasure and the giving of pleasure, the joys of flirtation, the excitement of romance and sex. I didn't need this book to be published for me to read, to know about sex and to understand how enjoyable sex is and all about all of the uh, the hormones that drive both sexes when they're, when they're teenagers. Didn't hear about that. None of these books, by the way, have a chapter on the don'ts, the cautions, what things to be careful of. This whole generation, this woke generation, this is where we find ourselves. We've got elementary schools that are learning all about gay sex, all about transgenderism. These, some of these six, seven, eight-year-old students at public schools, they certainly know more than I do about transgenderism and about sex changes. Gender identification. Oh my gosh, there are two genders, period. Show me some science that rejects that. I'm hearing now that somewhere on the planet there really is a man that got pregnant and carried a baby to full term. It's impossible. There may be some freaking situation that came up, but it is not something that has ever happened in nature. And I doubt it ever will happen in nature. But I'll never say it'll never happen because this is the United States of America. And we can never say never on most things. That was a nasty little segment I had to talk about. Hey, looking ahead, don't forget, Saturday bullet points, they go live at about 1.45 a.m. in the morning every day. All our stories go live at that time. Just tune in tomorrow, I promise you. Even if you stay plugged in, there are some really important things, news items, happenings that you forgot about, you didn't see during this past week. We grab them all, we throw them all together in bullet point format and put them there for you, Saturday morning bullet points. It's a great way to grab a cup of coffee and sit down and catch up with all of the things that you need to know happened the previous week. That way, you don't miss anything. We have some great writers that have joined the team. And uh, over the weekend, we're going to publish a couple of stories that were put together by a couple of these, these writers. You really want to make sure that you look in. Truthnewsnet.org. It also, stories there also go live. And bullet points is at truthnewsnet.org too. But check them all out. And almost always, especially during the week, we have a story published every day. And then, of course, bullet points every Saturday. So just hang tight. And by the way, if you want to make sure you see every story that's published and you never miss one, what you need to do is go to the homepage and subscribe. Now, let me tell you, if you subscribe to Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org, you ne- it doesn't cost you anything. We don't monetize it in any way. All it means is that every time there's a new story that goes up, 
145 in the morning, you'll get a link to that story so that you will know exactly where the new stories are by clicking on that link. You don't have to go to the website homepage every day and just thumb through and see what you, you may be looking for that's new. It just makes it easier for you. We never send out any requests. We never charge anything. We don't sell our mailing list. Our mailing list is pretty substantial. And I think if we wanted to monetize it by selling it, we could. We've never done it. We've never given any of our subscribers emails or contact information or names to anybody, and we never will. I'm the purveyor of Truth News Network and TNN Live, and I'm promising you that will never happen. So what's the biggest big news in the last 24, 36 hours? I think it has to do with Elon Musk. He finally closed the deal to buy Twitter. And after a months-long legal battle, Elon Musk, you may know him best as the owner of SpaceX and Tesla, Elon Musk officially reached a deal with Twitter to become the sole owner of the social media giant. And it was a historic shakeup of the tech industry. We have no idea what's going to happen there. But it's going to change. And let me tell you, it started yesterday. He walked in and he fired everybody. All of the top-level management people, even the CEO. And it's because, as he dug in, when he was doing due diligence before he closed the sale, as you do with any purchase of any uh, facility, company, or whatever. And he found some things that he was uncomfortable with. I wouldn't say that Elon Musk is a conservative, but I will tell you this. He's made a lot of money. Richest man on the earth, up and down. And he didn't do that accidentally. He did it by being an objective observer of everything that goes into the companies that he put together. I mean, everything, people, uh, positions in the company, what everybody is supposed to do, what has to be done for that company to be successful in its service for the people it serves. Some people get that, some people don't. Elon Musk is the consummate entrepreneur. This agreement will take and is taking Twitter private at $54.20 a share. That's about $44 billion in the sale that the tech mogul has previously attempted to get out of over claims that he was misled by the number of spam or bot accounts that were set up on the platform. And of course, I said this as his first move. He fired several top executives, including the CEO, the chief financial officer, and the head of legal policy, trust, and safety. That's really interesting. While Musk's exact plans for Twitter, we don't know what they are yet. He has made several public comments about it, primarily on Twitter itself, stressing the importance of the medium as a forum that protects free speech. It's going to be really interesting to see if he really does that. So I I can promise you already what's happening. I looked this morning. There are some nut jobs, uh, nut jobs out there posting some really far out things. And we're going to see how Elon Musk really believes in free speech. They're testing him. 
He said this yesterday, for Twitter to deserve public trust, it must be politically neutral. Hmm. And of course, that upset the far right and the far left equally. Because the far right, they want things not being published that kind of go after them. I, I got to promise you, free speech in a um, in an environment where there is nothing but free speech, people are going to be hurt. People are going to get upset. They're going to be put down. You're gonna you're gonna see and read ugly things about you. And if there's no uh, thought police out there, Elon Musk is going into this, and he's saying anything can be said. He told us investors that were supporting that bid to buy the company that he's going to lay off about 75% of the tech giant staff. He's going to cut the company to just 2,000 workers. He's publicly commented he thinks the company is overstaffed, but former Twitter employees and tech analysts are criticizing the move as being too drastic, potentially exposing the company to security and moderation issues. He's been vocal about his intentions to use Twitter as a stepping stone to create an app known as X. So what is X going to be? He says it's going to be the everything app. When a Twitter user claimed it would have been less difficult to simply build X from scratch, Musk countered that the purchase would shave three to five years of development time, although he hedged the claim by admitting I could be wrong. That's another thing about Elon Musk. He's wrong all the time, and he's okay with being wrong and telling everybody I made a mistake. To be honest with you, that's what good entrepreneurs do. When did they do it? Whenever they make a mistake, make a bad choice, make a bad decision. They don't all get it right all the time. I guarantee Elon Musk is busted several times He's lost a lot of money doing things that he felt were sure, sure bets. Now, critics have argued about Twitter that Musk taking over is going to cause the platform to be more prone to spreading misinformation and incentivize or encourage dangerous practices that'll harm women and people of color on the platform. How do you get this? How can somebody honestly and credibly say that? Well, they can't honestly and credibly say it. They have no idea. But let me just say this. Our forefathers thought the ability to speak freely about anything at any time by anybody and not to have retribution against them by the government, they thought it was such a big deal. After the Constitution was in place, had been signed, and we were operating on it uh, under it, they looked at the structure of the Constitution, and they said, you know what? We maybe need to double down on exactly what we mean. The rights of the people are and what the government rights are and that neither group can take over the other one. That's where the first 10 amendments came from. They were reemphasizing for all time that no power in government belongs to the government. All power 
belongs to the people and that our government would always be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And they made the free speech thing, the guarantee that no speech can be abridged. That's amendment number one, the first 10. Restate the rights that are owned by the American people, and they made that number one. So it's going to be really interesting to follow the results of um, Elon Musk on Twitter. We're going to see changes, obviously. But you know what's already happened? With the announcement of all of this, and we have we have writer after writer, conservative blogger and podcaster after, they've had their content just disappear. Or it will show up, but nobody hardly ever sees it. That happens from those algorithms that these big tech giants put in their systems so that when somebody is of a certain political ilk and writes about it, they get censored, pushed to the back of the bus. We've seen a bunch of that already just change instantly. And it should be that way. It should be. I know Twitter is a private company. It will remain a private company. And the rules are different for government doing things and people in the private sector doing things. I understand all that. But I do know this one thing. Elon Musk is about the people. He always has been. He's got a lifetime in his rearview mirror that shows that. And I really believe he's going to straighten this thing out and that it will, his uh, facing, uh, fixing Twitter, it will change the big tech industry. And social media will never be the same again. And that's a good thing. Social media, there, I don't know how many, but there are tons of people that get so intimidated and so upset with these social media websites that they kill themselves. We need to see that go away. So I don't know if you've heard about it, but in the wee hours of the morning, Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, Nancy was in D.C. Paul was in their home in San Francisco. He was violently assaulted, the report says, from an invader. Early this morning, an assailant broke into the Pelosi residence in San Francisco and violently assaulted Mr. Pelosi. The assailant is in custody. The motivation for the attack is under investigation. Mr. Pelosi was taken to the hospital where he's receiving excellent medical care and is expected to make a full recovery. So even though we're at odds with his wife, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, say a prayer for Paul Pelosi. Isn't it interesting in our election, the upcoming mainstream midterm elections, one of the leading concerns about voters is crime. In San Francisco, nobody can credibly say that San Francisco has not had, does not, has, have, and probably will have going forward serious criminality that the government there is not taking care of. The establishment, the I I I, I wanna it's a subdivision, but that's they call it 
it's almost like a conclave, a group of people that get together and they build very, very substantial homes, have estates. They are individually fenced in and guarded. And then the subdivision is fenced in and guarded. How this assailant got into the subdivision, I forget the name of it, but got in that section and then even got in the Pelosi residence, it sounds to me like maybe, just maybe, uh, somebody may have been involved in that, making it happen. Well, what else is happening on this Friday? Hunter Biden is back in the news. (laughs) I know that will surprise you. If we wanted to make it this way, Hunter Biden could be on the show here every day because there is enough about it. We got a little tidbit from Hunter, and we have a whole lot more. Stay right where you are. More coming up on TNN Live. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries... Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. Let me do something... I don't often do this, but I want to give a shout out. We have somebody on the West Coast, Peter Lloyd, and uh, he's two hours. Now think about this. He's two hours earlier than we are. So that means when we start the show at nine o'clock, it's seven o'clock in Long Beach, California, where he is. But he is a faithful listener of TNN Live. He's been there since the show began. And I want to say, Thank you, Peter, for your support of TNN Live 
and all of you that are here every day and those of you who can't be here every day, but you're here quite often when it works best for you, I want to say thank you for that. The show is growing nationally and internationally. And it blows my mind. We had all those Russian students at the University of Moscow that for two years, the International Political Science Department required every course in the department to monitor one U.S. conservative podcast and one progressive or leftist podcast, and they would have tests on it, weekly tests, and it was for the purpose of teaching Russian students the difference in politics in the United States so they could compare it to the politics in Russia as being part of Asia and Europe. And I learned that because, you know, as we talked about subscriptions earlier, we don't sell them, but people began, they're always logging in. We, we started getting a bunch of subscriptions, and we didn't know where they were coming from. We don't know where any of them are coming from. It's just your name and your email address. But on the email addresses that I began to question, they ended, instead of in .com, they ended in RU or Yandex. So I asked my IT director about it. I was concerned, and he said, Dan, those are Russian. And I was like, oh, my God, who's listening? What's going on? And so I worried about it. And you can understand, we were having about 60 or 70 of them a week for a month or two. That really bothered me. And so I got an inquiry about one particular story. I don't remember what story it was. And the email of the person that inquired ended in .ru. So I answered her question, and at the bottom of my response, I said, by the way, and I told her what was happening with us getting these subscriptions. And she emailed me back to tell me, yeah, I know exactly what it is. And she explained what was happening in the International Department of Political Science, and they were being required to read and even listen. And they would go over it one day a week in their classes. The day, the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, that day, every one of those emails disappeared from our email list of subscribers. And you know what that was. That was Vladimir Putin shutting down their access in many ways to the Western world. I don't want to live in a nation like that. But what our government is trying to do, folks, is to put us in a situation where the government can monitor everything we say and do, every transaction you make in the bank, and they have, if they don't already have it, they're garnering more and more power to unilaterally do things regarding every part of our individual citizens' lives and do whatever they want to, and there will be nothing that we can say about it. And I'm not joking about that. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's already happening in small ways. And if we let the government style that is in office today, if we let that continue, even if it's with different players, but the process is allowed to stay, it won't just stay the way it is. It will grow and get more intense 
more invasion of our individual rights. And before long, the Russian people, the ones that are born there, they never knew a different kind of lifestyle. And these countries that Russia has invaded, the people there, they don't have any option. And so their kids never see anything different from totalitarianism coming down from the top at the Kremlin. We don't want to go down that road. So let's get to where we are concentrating today. Less than two weeks, our midterm elections. Now, polling is out, and it's all over the place. We get different polling results every day. We get a new one. We get explanations for all of them. But one thing we've always known, and I don't know why polls do this. I know why some would, but not across the board, and I'm not sure it happens across the board. But through the years, in almost every poll, Republicans are undercounted. Now, the obvious explanation for that would be to suppress the vote and uh, impact what people think about who other people like the most in the any upcoming election to make them think that Democrats are more liked and therefore will be elected more often than Republicans. Kaylee McEnany, former White House press secretary, she worked with Donald Trump, did a great job. She weighed in on this yesterday. All right, look who's here. Kaylee McEnany joins us this morning. <clears throat> Kaylee, do you think the Democrats are starting to panic? No doubt about it. And I'm so glad you focused on the money trail because I think that's not discussed enough. Um, I've seen some headlines over the last 48 hours. New Hampshire, Don Bolduc, who Republicans had written off, gotten out of the race. All of a sudden, you have the NRSC investing $1 million in his race. New York, Sean Patrick Maloney, the head of the DCCC. This would be enormous if he was unseated. Republicans putting money in there, Democrats too. Uh, Washington State, yeah. Hattie Murray, you know, Democrats forced to go into that race on the border, southern border. Monica De La Cruz is a Republican. Right. And it looks like Democrats have just entirely pulled out there. Um, <laughs> these are big deals. And, you know, we can look at the polls, but the money kind of speaks a little louder. Yeah, where the money goes, it shows you where yes. the parties think they're in real danger. Mm -hmm. And it's flowing to vulnerable Democrats at the moment. That's right. All right, uh, you've, uh, you've got to tell me about this. You've got a new show. It's on Fox Nation. And it's about the midterms? I do. It's called Kaylee's Midterm countdown. We really? have a lot of great guests. We had Blake Masters, Carrie Lake already, Ron Johnson coming up, Steve Scalise, all the big names, all the big candidates. Well, it is getting exciting. There's it is. 13 days to go. It looks like there could be a real a real turnaround for Congress. Yeah. That, to me, that's really exciting. And when you look at trajectories... Your every... ratings will be fantastic. Thank you. Every <laughs> single poll turning in one direction, Stuart, and it seems to be trending uh, the color I'm wearing, kind of red. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to be serious about one thing here. Justice uh, Samuel Alito, he's speaking out about Roe v. Wade and the leak of the Roe v. Wade decision. He says it puts the Supreme Court justices at risk of assassination. Where was the condemnation from the White House? It's a great question because we heard Jen Psaki say, stay peaceful, but nevertheless, feel free to go to justices' homes. Should never have been the case. Joe Biden, when there was that assassination attempt against Kavanaugh, he never directly addressed this. Remember, it took Congress several times to even pass funding and extra security for these justices. The federal response 
was abysmal. And I would like to think if this was Sotomayor or a Democrat-leaning, left-leaning Supreme Court justice, that Republicans, if they were in power, would have acted differently. Because this is something we've just got to stand united on. We never found out who put out the leak. We never found out who leaked. No, but we can arrest 22 pro-life activists. Uh, The DOJ can. We can go after all sorts of political crimes, but we will never look at the leaker because it just doesn't flow in the right direction. Before we close it out, I know you are a close uh, watcher of elections. Mm -hmm. How many seats do you think the Republicans will pick up in the House? (laughs) There's a leading question. I think it's being vastly underestimated. Look, people are saying 10 to 20. I think it could be above 20. I'm putting my money at somewhere in the 25 range. This is a wave election. Polls always underestimate Republicans on the generic ballot. And uh, I think if Republicans are leading even by a point to three, that can be indicative of a 25-seat pickup, which would be enormous. And I think we take the Senate by one, possibly two seats. So 51 or 52 Mm -hmm. uh, Republicans in the Senate. Yes. That would be a sweep. It would be a sweep, and I think that's what we're in for 13 days from now. You're not supposed to say this in journalism, but only time will tell. I need some wood to knock on. (laughs) Yeah, knock on some wood. Katie, great stuff. Thank you very much indeed for being here. I like Stuart Barney a lot and Kaylee McEnany. She's a great spokesperson and she's one of those people that doesn't pontificate and her pontifications, if she was called that, um, they're very objective. You don't see much of that. And obviously she is a conservative, a Republican, and uh, she supports that political philosophy, but she doesn't demonize the opposition, people in the Democrat Party, and even further left than that. That's very unusual (laughs) in politics today, and she's pretty objective. Fox News did a good thing when they got her and gave her the ability to be on. She's on every day in that uh, show at Outnumbered, I think. She's one of the co-hosts of that show, and she does a really good job there. We're going to keep watching. And the polls, folks, remember this. Those are people's opinions. And when they put together the opinions of about a 1,000 people and they try to extrapolate all, uh, extrapolate that all the way out to 340 million Americans, that's a big stretch. Most polls, I will tell you this, when it comes to a presidential election especially, most polls get it wrong. Get it wrong. I will never forget this. I've got the real clear politic list of all the polls and on election day in 2016, there were 33 different polls on real clear politics that day. 33 different polls. Only one of the pollsters projected one out of 33 that Donald Trump would win the presidency that day. You don't want to know, you want to know which poll it was? (laughs) It was not one that's a biggie. It's not one that we hear about every day. And I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard of it before. But it came from the political science department of University of Southern California, (laughs) of all places. They're the only ones out of 33 different polls that the morning of the 2016 election published their poll that day that showed Trump was going to be president. One out of 33. 
Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, cause I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10 piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba da ba ba ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. I told you at the top of the show we had some um, Hunter Biden stuff to talk about today. You know, it gets kind of quiet, and it's interesting what the mainstream media do. When something big about anybody in the president's family comes out, it's a news item. It's always immediately, or most always immediately, it's a front-page headline. But when it gets bad for a sitting Democrat president and his son, when that news gets bad, it's most often depressed by the legacy media. Now, how do they, how do they, uh, how do they get out of it? They just don't talk about it. They don't publish stories. And that's been the way in great, great number for all of the stuff going on with Hunter Biden. So we do now know factually President Biden, when he was Vice President Biden, he knew a lot about Hunter's foreign business, and um, he has told us publicly many times, we played it for you. I never had a conversation about any of my son's overseas business, and we've got emails and text and pictures that counter that. Joe Biden was up to his neck we haven't been able to tie anything specifically, but in conversations about some really, I guess, best case scenario, unethical business dealings, worst case scenario, illegal business dealings. Former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker, 
he's the one that's he's bald and he's got the big voice. He said the new developments out of the investigation into Hunter's business dealings are very damaging, not just for Hunter, but for Joe Biden. Yesterday, he argued the shocking evidence being sent to the U.S. attorney shows that China was trying to gather information on the Biden family, the whole family. Whitaker said this, I'm going to quote him, it's very damaging if you think about how you build an investigation, you build it brick by brick. And this revelation that somebody that close to the family that worked every day with Hunter had access to most of the information or the various companies, I think that's a significant step. There's no doubt, he said, that Hunter was part of a Chinese intelligence mission that was trying to gather as much information as possible about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the entire Biden family. And what Senator Ron Johnson and my home state Senator Chuck Grassley have found and now given to the U.S. Attorney in Delaware is just shocking how much money was being given to the Biden family, as we call it here, the Biden syndicate. James Biden, who is the president's younger brother, he was kind of like the operations manager and still is basically of the Hunter and Joe Biden family syndicate. And James was the kind of go-to guy. And it, it really, folks, their entire business operations evolved around one thing and one thing only, giving access to people that have a lot of money to then the vice president of the United States. More and more is going to come out about it. And especially if uh, Republicans win control of the House, the investigatory, investigatory and oversight committees in the House, they have already put structured plans in place to get into investigating those kind of things about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, principally Joe Biden, though. Biden officials pushed for the Saudis to accelerate production in July and August and additional increases from September to December, which would significantly impact oil production ahead of the midterm elections. Details of of this whole syndicate thing were revealed by none other than the New York Times. First, the Saudis would accelerate an OPEC plus production increase of 400,000 barrels a day, already planned for September moving it back to July and August. Then the Saudis would get the cartel to announce another production increase of 200,000 barrels per day for each month from September to December of this year. It was a deal that was cut by Joe Biden. On June 2nd, OPEC Plus announced they would move up the production increase scheduled for September. That was fulfilling the first part of the secret deal. Team Biden soothed concerns from some big-time angry Democrats with details of this oil deal. Now, this is from the New York Times. After the White House would meet with the Saudis, despite Biden promising to treat them as a pariah 
during his campaign. You remember that? Although Biden and the White House repeatedly said his trip to Saudi Arabia was not about the price of oil, details of the deal reveal how much of a priority it actually was to the administration. But the deal that Biden and his team constructed, it blew up in his face. OPEC Plus announced only a boost of 100,000 barrels a day for August, and in September they announced they would cut production by 100,000 barrels. In October, OPEC Plus shocked Biden officials after they announced they would actually cut production by 2 million gallons a day instead of increasing production. Joe Biden made secret Saudi deal, excuse me, and he did it for this one purpose. He was going to use that to reduce the price of gas at the pump, the price of heating oil, do that for three months before the midterm elections to save his Democrats that were running for re-election and also Democrat candidates that were running for open seats or running to beat their Republican counterparts. It was all planned. It was laid out. It was very specific. And I got to be totally honest with you, give kudos to the White House for coming up with a plan, any kind of plan that would at least kind of give us a temporary fix for our problem with oil and gas here in the United States. And by the way, it's just getting worse and worse and worse every day. Him releasing 100 million barrels of oil from our strategic petroleum reserve, that's a temporary a temporary fix that'll only last a few days. We use 15 million barrels of oil every day. It doesn't take long to run through 100 million, does it? He has no fix. He has no fix for anything. So he just, it's like, instead of taking a rifle out to go hunting, he takes a shotgun, and literally that's what his panacea was about gun control when he was vice president. Uh, He basically said, why don't you just use a shotgun? And talking about self-defense, well, let me just say this. If you own both a shotgun and a rifle, raise your hand right now. I can see a lot of people raise their hands. Now, why do you why do you do that? Do you plan on using a shotgun to uh, protect your family when somebody breaks in your house? No, we don't do that. Joe Biden uses a shotgun everywhere he goes. He doesn't give any specifics. He doesn't address any specifics. He always just does this wide across the board conversation, brings in about 20 or 30 things. It's kind of like shooting a shotgun. When you have all these little pellets that are about all kinds of different things, when you pull the trigger, those things go everywhere. A rifle with one bullet, if you can aim a gun and squeeze a trigger in a bad situation, is much more effective, much more deadly than shooting that same situation using a shotgun. Just saying. I love shotguns. I use them. I own several of them. But principally in my lifetime, it was dove and duck hunting. 
and you almost have to use a shotgun. Well, you do when you're doing those things to make sure you can get them and bring them down and not just wound them. Anyway, you get what I'm talking about. Well, get ready. I'm about to scare you. Yep, it has to do with um, disease. And there's new stuff on the horizon. In fact, it is already here. Already here. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about something else. You know, we we bring you probably one time a week, we bring you a, uh, a synopsis of President Biden gaffes. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of people do those kind of things to make fun of the president, make fun of his cognitive disability that is so very obvious. That's not the reason we bring them to you. I'll chuckle every once in a while just because when people say funny things, even if they mean, especially if they mean them to be serious and they're not serious, it's okay. That's humorous. We all have events that happen like that time to time in our lives. We all do. We never are perfect with the things we say and the things that we talk about. But there are new ones every week, and you know why? It's because Biden is out there and he's giving us all new material because he says the craziest stuff. And just when you think he's found a way to put the choke on it and stop doing it, he'll come out with one or two or three or four more others. Dan Bongino is the host of Unfiltered on Saturday nights. Dan, if you're a Pennsylvania resident and you're a Democrat, right, do you think John Fetterman can fight effectively for you in the U.S. Senate? No, I mean, it was tough to watch last night, Jesse. I mean, I don't, you know, I can be a smart ass on the network a lot. But, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, by the way, just let me say in advance, anytime you cite your education, you usually sound like a jerk, but it's important here. So mm-hmm. forgive me, folks. Okay. But I, I went to graduate school. I studied neuropsychology. Most people don't know that. And why would you? Who really cares? But I, I have some experience in the space. And he, this guy's in a lot of trouble. I mean, to have a cerebral incident like that, a stroke, is, is a serious thing. That's not the kind of tissue that just automatically regenerates. It's not like getting a cut uh, on your skin where you're just going to maybe get a little bit of a scab. Brain tissue reacts differently. Uh, The guy's in a lot of trouble. I mean, you can see it last night. It looks like he's having some kind of processing issue. And not just that, it appears he not only can't process language, but has a problem actually speaking himself. In other words, taking what's happening in the computer and moving it to the muscles of the mouth. I mean, this is serious. This is not not a joke. I mean, you all saw it last night. But I have to agree with some of the commentary that we saw and even some of the other networks, some of those commentators saying, this is an enormous scandal. This was hidden. And and you mentioned, which was a great call, this poor Dasha Burns. I don't even know Dasha Burns. She could be a far left radical for all I know. (laughs) But she goes on a mainstream media network and says, hey, listen, I interviewed this guy and she was very nice about it. She goes, he appears to be having significant problems, and she, they try to cancel her. <laughs> they for, did. For Jesse, here's her the own kicker, colleagues for tried doing to cancel journalism. her. Yeah. Right, for doing actual journalism for once. I mean, she's owed an enormous apology. This guy is not fit to be in the Senate at all. That's clearly obvious to any rational actor. Isn't it sad to watch Barack and Joe prey on this poor guy? 
to have them travel to Pennsylvania, where this guy should probably be doing speech therapy and resting. And, and, and he's already at risk for another stroke. And to, and to put yeah. him out there and to say, rah, rah, everything's fine, everything's normal. I mean, that's predatory. I mean, you know, listen, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to handle this in the most professional manner. You're doing a very I'm good a Christian. job. I'm a Thank you. And I, that matters to me. Again, I know I have a foul mouth sometimes, but I believe in Jesus Christ. And I, I don't want to do the immoral thing. The guy had a really serious incident. I wish him and his family the best, Fetterman. But, folks, you don't find it a little weird that Joe Biden, who's clearly suffering from some form of a frontal lobe deficit himself, this isn't strange, is going out there to do a rally with Barack Obama for another guy suffering from some kind of cognitive <laughs> yeah. deficit. I mean, folks, listen, again, I say this with a pure heart. I mean it. I don't agree with their politics. I'll fight them to the day I die on this communist streak in the left party and on the left. But listen, these are people who are running for public office. They're not running to be your orthodontist. I mean, they are they put themselves out there. He not could me. actually I'm do a making... better job, Dan, as an orthodontist, because right. that's he just be, physical. He'd be less dangerous. Right. Right. I mean, I mean uh, you, you need to be able to Jesse, listen and speak. It. Yeah, it's 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 this out of control. This guy could be the deciding vote on a potential like war declaration or more. I mean, this is serious stuff. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Again, he's not running to be your local dog catcher. They think you're idiots to left. No, I mean, I think Dan and I, you, we probably have the purest hearts of anybody here at Fox News. And mm. even Dan and I feel bad for John Fetterman or not mocking John Fetterman. We just want him to get better. That's how bad yeah. it is. That's how bad. Yeah. We're then, not even making fun of Democrats here. We're feeling no, bad I gotta, for Jesse, them. I got to add one more thing. Yeah. Quick. The, the Democrats do think you're idiots on the line of your segment. But how about Whitmer saying that uh, she only closed down the schools for three months as if the parents <laughs> who saw their kids at home are confused. They're like, hey, 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 Tony, who's yeah. that kid in the kitchen? Is that our son? No, Gretchen <laughs> Whitmer said he's in school. This is how dumb Democrats think you yeah. are. Hey, I only closed the schools for three months. Parents <laughs> are sitting home like, really? I saw little Bobby in my kitchen on a Zoom. Who do <laughs> yeah. you think that was? Yeah, one the week with Bobby kid. running around the kitchen <laughs> felt like three months. <laughs> I guess. All right. They think you're stupid. Of course. Dan Bongino, who went to graduate school. Shockingly. <laughs> Check his show out on Saturday nights. Thanks, Dan. You may question me why I played that soundbite for you in a conversation talking about cognitive disability of our president. There are striking similarities between this guy, John Fetterman, Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania that's running for that empty U.S. Senate seat. He had a massive stroke, and he had it the Friday before the Democrat primary for that position in Pennsylvania. They hid it for a while, didn't want anybody to know, and finally, and I'm pretty sure as he got better, they uh, they told people that, and he appeared in several public places, but his problems were very obvious, very obvious. So we're talking about a U.S. Senate spot, and I think it's common among Republicans, the GOP pretty much all say in unison, this guy right now, he's got serious medical conditions. There's no question about it. When you bring doctors in, neurologists that are specifically dealing with these kind of things every day, they're quick to say, this guy's got problems. 
and they give us the options of what this most likely will become over time if it will change at all. So you put that in the context of what's going on with our president. And I told you, every week we play a potpourri of gaffes, new ones, of Joe Biden. And some of them are just unexplainable. They have no touch to reality. And we could spend probably 30 minutes every day just playing the latest such circumstances in which we hear Joe Biden get involved with. Just think about this. He's in private meetings all the time. How many of those private meetings in which he is the president and he in most of those is talking about very serious things. How many times in those meetings does he just go off into outer space in his brain? That's a big deal. That's something that every American needs to be conscious of. Not just about whether or not to vote for John Fetterman as the U.S. Senator in Pennsylvania, but what about our president? He very similarly has similar issues. Fetterman had a stroke. What about Joe? How did his come about? I don't know if this is the case, but there's something Democrats don't want to talk about ever. Joe Biden has had three serious brain surgeries. And doctors then warned that there would be cognitive problems, but that they thought he would be able down the line to be able to cope with them. These three surgeries happened more than a decade ago when he was a U.S. senator. Put that in the context of what we're seeing from our president today. And our friends in Australia, they are very, very quick. Almost, I guess, every week they put a little potpourri together of Joe Biden gaffes, and they laugh at him. They laugh at him. Uh, it's one thing to laugh at somebody, and it's another thing to laugh about something. They're way past the place where they were laughing about something, and they're laughing at our president, and justifiably so. There is no admission there's anything going on there, but there obviously is a lot of stuff going on there. Now, going into our last break, I told you about a new disease that's out there. It's really not new, but it is out there. The WHO said yesterday reported invasive fungal infections that has increased among hospitalized patients during the COVID pandemic. So the WHO, in a release alongside its recently released list of priority fungal pathogens, the UN Health Agency said emerging evidence indicates that the incidence and geographic range of fungal diseases are expanding around the world. Why? Because of the increases in travel as well as climate change. You know, they got to throw that in every time they're talking about any kind of disease. Climate change has something to do with it. Here's a quote from the WHO. Emerging from the shadows of the bacterial antimicrobial resistance pandemic, fungal infections are growing and are ever more resistant to treatments, becoming a public health concern worldwide. That came from Dr. Hanan Balki, 
WHO's Assistant Director General of Antimicrobial Resistance. The list categorizes the pathogens into three categories, including critical, high, and medium priority. Of the 19 invasive fungal diseases that have been identified, four were categorized as critical priority, including Cryptococcus neoformans, Asparagilusus fumigatus, Canada albicans, and Canada auris. You don't know how many times I've practiced reading those things. I don't understand how medical professionals can handle that, even remember that, even say those things. Anyway, a recent established uh, story, established, a recent study published in the journal Nature's estimates that of the 150,000 fungal species described, about 200 of them are infectious to people. Now, I'm telling you all that just to tell you this. Now, the WHO comes out a little under two weeks before the midterm elections with this really bad news. Most of the times when they do this, there's a political purpose in it. Is there one here? I don't know. But let's speculate for a second. A fungal case is a whole lot easier to deal with than a case like COVID-19, which is a virus. So, less than two weeks before the election, they point this out. Aren't they setting a case? This is like a foundation. A foundation that they have built now on which they can very quickly, they can create like they have much of what we went through as Americans during COVID-19. Much of it was created, contrived. It was not in real response to the COVID-19. Um, it, it's not a bacteria, it's a virus. Much of that was created. Are they going to try to create something? regarding these invasive forms of fungal infections. What do funguses do? They attack people. We're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I, I brought this story to you because I want you to know it is out there. And there's probably more to it. We're going to be watching it. We'll bring you up to date anytime we get any more news. There is COVID news. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. The oversight staff on Thursday released an interim report that says the Senate report details substantial evidence supporting the theory that COVID-19's pandemic originated as the result of a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, this is, of course, being debunked by Anthony Fauci and others. Experts have proposed two dominant theories on the origins of the virus, we're told. Number one, the virus is the result of a natural zoontic spillover. Or number two, the virus infected humans as a consequence of a research-related incident. While it remains possible that SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID-19, emerged because of a natural zoonotic spillover, facts and evidence found in previous documented zoonotic spillover events have not to date been identified in relation to this pandemic. Substantial evidence 
suggest that the COVID-19 pandemic was the result of a research-related incident associated with the lab in Wuhan, China. A research-related incident is consistent with the early epidemiology showing rapid spread of the virus exclusively in Wuhan, China, with the earliest calls for assistance being located in the same district as the Wuhan Institute of Virology's original campus in central Wuhan. The WIV is an epicenter of advanced coronavirus research where researchers have collected samples of and experimented on high-risk coronaviruses. So the Chinese government has constantly said, we don't have anything to do with the origins of COVID-19. But you got to understand, we're talking about a congressional committee. The name of it, I mean, it's almost impossible to say. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Help Committee Minority Oversight Committee. But I'm pointing out, it's a Democrat-controlled Senate, basically. This committee is got more Democrats than Republicans. Democrats are coming out and saying and agreeing COVID-19 started in Wuhan, China. Finally, the truth comes out. What do we have next? Well, we're going to wade into a few of the polls. We're going to talk about some of the candidates and where they stand. And I got to be honest with you, you've got to check it out day by day because it changes day by day. But it is looking more like people are awakening to truth and facts. But I guess more than that, like I've never seen happen before, about political issues, more Americans than ever are really going deep and making sure the positions they hold on every issue is the one that best suits, really best suits their their minds, their thoughts, and the things that they think are important for themselves and their family members. So we're going to wade into that and a bunch of more other stuff. We got about 38 minutes left in the show. So there's much more after this. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800-plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. 
proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house, your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. We talk here, every once in a while we mention the Evangel Christian Academy and the football program. I'm personally very involved in it, do the PA. I told you we've got two grandsons playing. Something big happened. One of the biggest things that's happened in the history of the school that was created in 1980. Football is a big part of everything there. And for many years, all around the city of Shreveport, SPAR, which is Shreveport Parks and Recreation, they have all kinds of little league programs and little league teams in pretty much any team sports. And so I'm talking about flag football, tackle football, basketball. And so Evangel Christian Academy and its, its staff there in the athletic department they decided they would create leagues and went to SPAR and said, we'll operate them. If you let us operate them, you don't have to worry about them. Give us the the uh, game officials, the ones, the referees and the game officials that are going to be there. You take care of that SPAR, but we'll take care of the operations and make sure the scheduling is done and all those kinds of things. And in exchange, we just want every player to wear an Evangel jersey. Different colors, different versions of the logo, but wear an Evangel jersey. So for years, probably a decade, anytime on any Saturday, you go to any of the parks where there is a lot of team competition going on, there would be Evangel football teams, basketball teams, playing sports, having games. Sadly, I guess over the last five years, that has kind of slipped away. And one of the reasons was Evangel's football field was natural grass. And we live in Louisiana, a lot of rain. That means when it rains and you have football games and soccer games being played on it, the field's going to get mudded up and it makes it really difficult to use. Chancellor of the school, Denny Duran, my older brother, He, for years, has been praying for an artificial turf field. And miraculously, the money came in. And this is not a wealthy school. About half, it's actually, I think, in the mid-40 percents, or minority students, and a lot of them are on scholarships, and a lot of white people there are on scholarships. So it's not a very wealthy school. Got a nice campus. They keep it. They take great care of that campus. And they have a great football season, uh, excuse me, football um, complex. And again, donors have in the past donated, and that money has always been used, not just for athletics, but to create a sports environment that wants to make kids in that part of our city. West Report, 
make those kids want to come to school there and be a part of it. And it's always been that way. So from outside, money came in. And tonight, Evangel Christian Academy will be playing its very first game on its brand new artificial field. Now, many of you, I'm looking, we've got people from all over the world that are looking in, but it, 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 it's a, um, I guess it's a lesson for all of us that sometimes we think people have everything. We look around and people have more than us. Many times when you think that, it's not true. We need to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. We need to concentrate on the things going on in our lives. And the bad things or the things that don't really need to be happening, find ways to change those. Instead of sitting on our butts, getting fatter, and continuing to do the same things over and over and over. And I think I think all of us, we get hung in that. And so I encourage you, get out of that rut. You can make a choice and get out of it, so just make the choice and do it. So I told you we were going to get into some of the numbers, the latest, latest. My favorite place to go to look at uh, real reports of uh, the standings and what the American people are thinking about elections is Rasmussen. Less than two weeks to go, Republicans lead in the closely watched midterm races for governor and U.S. senator, both in Georgia. A new survey by Rasmussen. And the absolute truth with Emerald Robinson finds that if the Senate election were held today, and this came out minutes ago, 48% of Georgia-likely voters would vote for the Republican Herschel Walker, 43% would vote to re-elect the Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock, 4% say they'd vote for some other candidate, while another four are undecided. Now, Herschel Walker's lead in Georgia is mainly because his 14-point margin among independent voters. 77% of Georgia Republican voters would vote for Walker. 81% of Democrats would vote for Warnock. While among voters not affiliated with either party, Walker leads 49 to 35%. In the gubernatorial election there, 51% of those who are likely to vote will vote, they say, to re-elect Republican Governor Brian Kemp. 41% would vote for the Democrat challenger, former state representative, and an activist, minority activist, Stacey Abrams. The incumbent governor, Governor Kemp, gets stronger support from Republican voters while also winning independence by a 17-point margin. 87% of Republicans would vote for Kemp 81% of Democrats would vote for Abrams, while among unaffiliated voters, Kemp leads 49 to 32%. Rasmussen reports updates. You can get them on Twitter and Facebook. Thought I'd throw that in there. The survey of 1,053 Georgia likely voters. From that, these numbers I'm giving you came from. It was conducted October 23rd and 24th by Rasmussen Reports. The margin of sampling error is plus or minus 3 percentage points, 95% level 
of confidence. The poll also found Republicans leading in other statewide elections, as well as holding a 10-point lead on the generic ballot question. If the elections for Congress were held today, 49% of Georgia likely voters would vote for a Republican candidate, while 39% would vote for the Democrats. 7% would vote from the same other candidate, and 5% are undecided. The Republican Party has a 19-point advantage, 46 to 29, among unaffiliated voters on this congressional ballot coming up in 13 days. Georgia voters were also asked several questions related to election integrity, which is a big issue in a state where the 2020 election was the subject in Georgia of intense controversy. 2,000 Mules, the documentary. 55% believe it's likely that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. And that includes 32% who think it's very likely. 39% of Georgia voters say it's not likely cheating affected the 2020 election. That includes 28% who think it's not at all likely. 71% of Georgia Republican voters think it's at least somewhat likely that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. 59% of Democrats don't think it's likely. Now, when you get to the unaffiliated voters, that's that's me, independent. 54% believe cheating likely affected the outcome in 2020. 39% don't think it's likely. 72% of Georgia voters are confident the upcoming elections in their state will secure and fair and 24% say the election process is not. More Democrats, 82% than Republicans, 69%, or unaffiliated voters, 63%, are at least somewhat confident that the midterm elections in Georgia will be secure and fair. Now, what does all this say? Bring it down. Break it down, Dan. What it means is Georgians are really watching and listening very closely to the candidates that are running for these positions in their state. People in Georgia, if you don't know Georgians, people are very proud. They're proud of their state. They're proud of their cities. And they are very tuned in for their Democrat processes in government there. And when I say Democrat processes, I'm not talking about a political party. I'm talking about a democratic government and the way that it's run there. There's always been little things that happen in Georgia, just like in every other state. But Georgia politics has pretty much stayed on a level keel for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, power, majorities, they wave and Different elections come up with different results, and sometimes Republicans control, sometimes Democrat control legislatures and the governor's mansion. But you know what? That's the way democracy works, where you have election. The election results are the results of what the people in that district or state, what they want and who they want to govern them. We won't get deep into the conversations today about the nastiness going on in the Senate race, but it is nasty. 
And the target of it all is Herschel Walker, former NFL running back, a great one as a matter of fact, from University of Georgia. He was an incredible athlete. And he's a very conservative American. And if you haven't watched any of his stuff, people may make fun of the the fact that he talks kind of with a slang method, African-American method. And he does that because he's an (laughs) African-American. And he grew up being around other African-Americans and learning the lingo of speech from other African-Americans. Don't make fun of anybody that speaks like that. Don't make fun of John Fetterman. John Fetterman had a stroke. Herschel Walker is perfectly fine. The way he talks is the way he has always talked, and it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with any issue. And if you feel it's that way, you might want to check your heart because what we call that down in Louisiana is racism. So governing and campaigning. Our president is back on the campaign trail, but not until November 3rd. That's just days before election comes up. And he's headed to New Mexico to do a campaign rally or two with Governor Michelle Lewan Grisham. Now think about it. He's not going till November 3rd. That's five days before the election. If you really want to help somebody, get your butt out there. Democrats are nervous about their prospects in New Mexico after recent polling there shows the governor struggling against her Republican challenger, Mark Ronchetti. One poll, the Trafalgar poll released this week, shows Ronchetti with 46% of the vote, Grisham 45 Can't get much tighter than that, right? Democrats are facing tough races around the country, even in traditionally Democrat states. Thursday, he's going to go to, which he did, to see and support and rally for New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Recent polling show her in a close race with her Republican challenger, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Biden has also been in Portland, Oregon, Earlier in October, to campaign with Oregon Governor Kotek, Tina Kotek, polls show Republican Christine Drowson taking a lead. In September, he showed up in Michigan to campaign, hold hands with Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She's facing a tougher-than-expected challenge from her Republican challenger, Tudor Dixon. People in Michigan really, really, really like Tudor Dixon. Biden is still hesitant to visit George, Georgia, as Democrats are also concerned about Stacey Abrams' flagging campaign against Republican Governor Brian Kemp in what they hoped would be a rematch that would flip that seat. And it doesn't. It just doesn't look like that's going to happen. You heard in that, um, that conversation between Stuart Varney and Kaylee McEnany She mentioned it. Republicans have doubled down on trying to unseat the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee chairman. That's Sean Patrick Maloney. He's a Democrat out of New York in the House of Representatives. His committee tries a last-ditch attempt 
to save him. He's in trouble. Earlier this year, the House Republicans' main super PAC Congressional Leadership Fund and the National Republican Congressional Committee announced they were going to spend millions on an attempt to unseat Maloney in the midterms. Back then, the confident congressman projected the DCCC, the committee he chairs, would not need to spend money to help him win. In fact, in April, Maloney went so far as to say, I don't see a scenario where that's going to happen. This past weekend, he claimed that the NRCC and the CLF are lighting on fire to unseat him. But a couple of bad polls came out for Maloney that show Republican challenger Mike Lawler is winning. It was reported that the DCCC would be spending $600,000 in New York's 17th Congressional District to help the chairman. You know what's interesting? Roughly two weeks ago, Politico reported that the DCCC lacked the money necessary to help other vulnerable members. However, in response to Maloney's attacks on the Republicans for trying to unseat him, and the DCC now spending money to help him, the Republican committee announced it would be upping their spending by 867000 So in other words, it's a fight. It's a dogfight. And a longtime Democrat that's been in power in Congress is really hard to unseat. But it's looking like Sean Patrick Maloney may be in his last days in the U.S. House of Representatives. And there's another one that's in big trouble, Democrat Tim Ryan up in Ohio. He's had a couple of debates with J.D. Vance, his Republican counterpart. And Tim Ryan, he's struggling, and you know why he's struggling? Because of what he believes in and what he's done as a U.S. congressman for Ohio. So he's running for Senate. He's a member of the House, but he's running for Senate. In addition to that race, Ohio voters are going to decide the fate of two statewide ballot initiatives. One would add a prohibition on illegal aliens voting in local, state, and federal elections. They're going to add that to the Ohio Constitution if it passed. The other would make it easier for judges to set higher bail for criminal suspects. In both of those issues, Ryan is refusing to say how he will vote. Newspaper article at cleveland.com says, as he in recent weeks, when he asked, when he was asked about either of those two ballot issues, Congressman Ryan said, following a campaign stop on Tuesday, he still has not yet reviewed them. He said his staff is collecting information on both of them and that he also plans to talk it over with his wife. I haven't read them, he said. I want to read them and dig into them before I make a decision. Meanwhile, J.D. Vance, the Republican, said that he supports both common sense initiatives. Even the Democrat gubernatorial candidate, Nan Whaley, running against Governor Mike DeWine, has said she will support both of those initiatives. Ryan opposed an amendment to clarify that federal law prohibits illegal aliens from voting in the United States in any election. In March of 2019, 
while supporting a Democrat effort to federalize U.S. elections, Ryan voted down an amendment that would have made clear that illegal aliens are prohibited from voting. On handing criminal suspects, Ryan told the left-wing American Civil Liberties Union in 2019 he wants about a million inmates released across the nation from jails and prisons. Now think about that. A million. Illegal aliens voting is not the only issue about which Ryan has been hesitant to reveal his opinion. When President Biden ended the successful Remain in Mexico program at the southern border, Tim Ryan refused to state where he stood on the issue and still has not commented. Now, why would a candidate for the U.S. Senate not say that, not give that information in full clarity? It's because he would rather tackle the concerns about him not turning that information over than the impact of him listening to his uh, his ability to become the next U.S. Senator in uh, Ohio slip away. The truth comes out, and to be honest with you about it, he's in a lot of trouble, and it looks like the Republican is going to win there. J.D. Vance is going to win there. Tim Ryan, he's just had a speckled past. He's, uh, he's pretty arrogant. I think you know him. He served on uh, and serves on some really serious committees in the U.S. House of Representatives. But um, he's not, in my opinion, now this is my opinion, in my opinion, he doesn't seem to have it all together when it comes to the way you do political things and create political policies. And I know, I've never been in the U.S. Congress I've never been a part of crafting legislation either, and I've never dealt with uh, political opponents, so he could say that. But what I do know is his actions, his own actions, are speaking pretty loudly that he's not the person that needs to be the next U.S. Senator from his state, Ohio. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN. Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. helping hand those who fall and get back up and long live the truck with the strength to overcome the will to outwork and the commitment to outlast them all ram proven to last
you got planned for the weekend? And does your weekend start on Saturday or do you get started maybe, you know, mid-afternoon Friday or after work on Friday? A lot of people look at it different ways. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of people really plan their weekends out. Um, I live in a household that's just Marianne and I here and our two dogs. And I don't plan anything for the weekends. You know why? Because she does. <laughs> she's into she's into that kind of stuff, and she's really good at doing it. And it wouldn't really matter if she was good or not. She's the woman in the household. And if I made all the plans for the weekend, you could bet that about 90% of what I pitched would not happen because she doesn't want them to happen. So we've been married 47 years. I learned a long time ago, just sit down and shut up, Dan. Whatever it's going to be, typically it's going to be good. So our weekend this weekend is, right now, the only thing I know of is tonight, Evangel football is going to play. Uh, this is homecoming, as a matter of fact. So they're all kind of homecoming events going on, including a parade, which they do. It's one of the only schools, the only high schools in town that actually do a parade. And they don't just do it for high school. They bring in middle school and the elementary school and pre-K kindergarten and it's a great experience for kids and it's a it's a a uh, parade where people line the parade route and it's about two miles long that's interesting i guess basically what the founders of evangel christian academy are about is giving every kid that goes there an experience a good experience even if they're not financially able to participate in some of it they make it happen. They make more of it happen than most people could ever come up with the concept and even allow it to be implemented at their schools. So where's Joe? We haven't talked much about Joe today, have we? Well, we've got a, about 11 minutes left. So yesterday he did an interview with Nextstar Washington. And that interview aired yesterday on the edition of News Nation's Rush Hour. Joe Biden stated that his administration is today bringing food prices down. And that, listen to this. This is a quote from the president. The main driver of food prices isn't the elevated price of things like beef or eggs. It's in packaged goods. So, he said, you will still you'll see people not buying Kellogg's Raisin Bran. You're going to see them buying other brands of Raisin Bran, which is going to be a dollar cheaper. Wow. He's got it figured out. (laughs) So it's in cereal. And it's not just in cereal. It's in Raisin Bran. He said his message to people on grocery and gas prices is that we're getting them down. I told you I'd bring them down. We're bringing it down. I come from a family where if gas prices went up or food prices went up, what happened was there was a conversation at the kitchen table. And we're doing a whole lot of other things too. And by the way, the food prices, the main driver of food prices is not the price of beef and eggs, etc. Although they're up, it's packaged goods, packaged goods. You're going to see people not buying Kellogg's Raisin Bran. You're going to see them buying other Raisin Bran. 
which is going to be a dollar cheaper. How in the heck can he get away with trying to make whoever he's speaking to believe that line of crap? Don't tell me the tens of billions of dollars of increase on the cost of goods for the American people from top to bottom has anything to do with Raisin Bran. It just doesn't. This is a capitalist society. That's the way we operate. And prices and availability have always been, and still are today, a subject of availability and people wanting and needing it and then having it when they want it, whatever we're talking about in the way of goods. And unless and until this president and his administration address those things specifically, instead of trying to paint a pretty picture for us and giving us a Band-Aid, and we know, most of us know, the Band-Aid is false and won't work anyway. What are you going to do, Mr. President, this week to change the price of gas at the pump next week. Don't talk about releasing another 10 or 20 or 30 million barrels from our strategic petroleum reserve because we use 15 million a day. Why don't you bring the CEOs of all of America's major energy companies? I'm not just talking about fossil fuel. I'm talking about gasoline, diesel, uh, heating oil, all of those manufacturers, bring them into the Oval Office and look them in the eye and say, gentlemen and ladies, what I'm going to do is Monday morning, I am going to instruct all of the departments of the United States to do a stand back when it comes to regulating and dealing with the day-to-day operations environmentally for you and your operations. I'm talking about gas and oil. I'm talking about solar. I'm talking about wind. I'm talking about water. Any type of energy production. Have those people sitting there and tell them this. We're taking all the restrictions off. Taking them all off. And what we want you to do is go after the energy production in a greater way than you ever have. You, you gentlemen in the fossil fuel industry, I shouldn't have ever pulled the plug on it like I did in the first month of my administration. I made a mistake. I want to change that. Please help us do a bridge through this problem we're facing right now. And on the other side, we'll sit down and we'll talk about an environmental phase-out program over a period of years so that we're not totally reliant, as we are today, on fossil fuel and we'll be able to bring solar energy, wind energy, and the other sources, we'll bring them up. Together, we'll work on working out a process where we can eliminate the costliest to our environment ways of producing energy in a smart way while making a transition to the energy sources that are totally clean and that they'll work and be cost effective. 
if he would do that, we would have drill bits in the in the ground in 48 hours. Now, how long does it take to drill and complete a well? It depends on um, weather. It depends on the rock formation in the ground, and it depends on how deep you go. Obviously, a shallow well is a whole lot cheaper and a whole lot quicker to bring to, up and uh, complete it than, in, than is a Hainesville shell directional drilling rig operation where all of the elements you're going into the ground for are 15,000 people below the surface, uh, people, 15,000 feet below the surface. But these are the experts that understand that, Mr. President. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. You got to bring other people in. And it's about time, Mr. President, that you do just that. You don't know everything. I was taught a long time ago, my first big career job in the automobile business. It was at a car dealership. And customers would come in, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury. We had a lot of different models, three different brands. There was no way that any of my salesmen or me would know every option and know what the option combinations were available on which vehicle. There was no way we could know that. And not knowing that didn't mean any of us were stupid. But what we did do was we had catalogs and books that showed us. And we could give and talk to all of our customers about those things and have a reference for it. That meant we weren't stupid. Now, if we had not done that and tried to BS our way through, that would have meant we were stupid. Mr. President, bring experts in. Forget about political party affiliation and let them do what they do best. A good leader understands you don't know everything. And a good leader will recognize that, make it public, and then will bring in the experts in the fields that are important that you don't know or understand. That's good leadership. That's good management skills. It's not working, Mr. Biden, and the American people are paying the price. Please, make a change. I thought I'd end the show with... um, something that is meaningful to me. You hear those waves in the background? (laughs) I missed a summer vacation on the beach this year and last year. I don't like that. I'm not one of those that gets in the water at the beach, but I watch it. I watch the waves. I listen to the waves. I watch and listen to the seagulls. And it's calming, kind of like this song. And I want to leave this with you this weekend. Have a stressful free weekend as much as you possibly can. And concentrate on just considering the good things that happen in your life. And if you think about the bad things, do it in this context. Just think about the things that you can do to make them better. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of TNN Live and Truth News Network. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday morning.